If you know the Lord's Prayer, would you say it with me? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. How did that feel for you reciting the Lord's Prayer? Maybe, good, okay, that's a good answer. Maybe it reminds you of your childhood. Maybe you're kind of in a stuffy church with wooden pews and you recited it every week. Uh, maybe you're familiar with uh, a song version of it, Andrea Bocelli. For thine is the... Okay, I'm not going to sing that. That's why I'm preaching and not singing today. Um, <laughs> maybe you're just... Don't clap because I'm not singing. Um, maybe you're just proud of the fact that you remembered it. You know, it's like you memorized it some time ago and you're like, wow, this thing still works. I still got it in there. I still have this thing memorized. Or... Maybe you're kind of new to church, new to this whole Christian thing, and you're like, what just happened? What are, is this like an incantation or something? Is this like a rite of passage, an entrance exam? Okay, so maybe you're kind of confused. I don't know what your background is on the Lord's Prayer, but I'm pretty certain that either you haven't memorized or you've heard it before. If you've been a Christian for a while, you've certainly, it may be the only time you speak in the King James, right? Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. But there's a problem with the familiarity that we have with the Lord's Prayer. Sometimes when something gets to be too common or too just, yeah, we do this, it loses some of its power. And so, yeah, we can go, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth that is in heaven. And you can blow through the Lord's Prayer and you're missing some of the power behind that prayer. Because we know that this is a common thing, we're starting a new series today on the Lord's Prayer, and we're going to spend the bulk of the summer going through the Lord's Prayer line by line. And the idea behind it is that by doing that, we kind of dig into the details of what it is that Jesus is teaching us. So the Lord's Prayer was in, is in Matthew 6, right? The disciples asked Jesus, you know, how do we pray? And Jesus says, this is how you should pray. And then he goes on to explain it. And so we're going to spend the next couple of months going line by line through the Lord's Prayer. And hopefully as we do that, it will enhance and support and reinforce your prayer life in your connection with God. So today, we're going to start with that first line, our Father in heaven. But let me pray to get us started. Lord God, we thank you for this time here. Lord, thank you for this place where we can meet. Thank you for those that are online that are hearing this. Uh, Lord, we know that you are with them, you are with us. And so we just want to give you this time, this next 30, 45 minutes, Lord, that we would hear from you, that your word would resonate with our hearts and our lives would be changed because of it. So we just give you this time for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Tim Keller, who is a pastor in New York City and an author and a speaker, he wrote a book on prayer. And in that book, he says this, prayer is both a, con a conversation and encounter with God. Prayer is both a conversation and an encounter with God. And I think when we think about prayer, the conversation piece of that is pretty straightforward, right? I'm talking to God. I'm telling him like what our needs are. But this encounter part is maybe a little bit more nebulous. And so Tim Keller is saying that prayer is both this conversation and this encounter, this opportunity to enter into the presence of God, to experience God and enjoy some time with him. 
like you would with anybody else over coffee or over a meal. So prayer is both a conversation, talking to God, and an encounter, an opportunity to meet with God. He goes on to say this, we must know the awe of praising his glory, the intimacy of finding his grace, and the struggle of asking his help, all of which can lead us to know the spiritual reality of his presence. And so what we're going to talk about today in this idea of the Lord's Prayer is what does it look like to have an encounter with God? Now, when I talked to Pastor JP about a month or so ago about preaching today, and he kind of explained the series, and he said, all right, you have our Father in heaven. And I was like, wow, I got 30 minutes to talk on four words. So I started thinking, like, I'm going to go, like, one word at a time, you know, for seven and a half minutes. Our. Us. Everybody. Right? And we're just going to go from there. And I thought, well, that would be a really boring prayer or a really boring sermon. And so I started letting, I let it churn a little bit. I let it kind of work in the back of my mind. And then I had this thought. Now, Jesus was God in flesh, right? We know Jesus became a baby on Christmas and he grew up to be the man that taught us how to live for God. But we know that Jesus came from heaven and returned to heaven and Jesus was God. And so when Jesus starts off the Lord's Prayer with our Father in heaven, Jesus knew what heaven looked like. Jesus knew what our Father in heaven was, that picture. And so sometimes when we read through that and we just blast through that first line, it's, it's like, a, like a salutation or a greeting. It's like, dear God, our Father in heaven. We just kind of move past it. But Jesus starts off this model prayer with this idea that he would have known in his heart what our Father in heaven looked like. What was it like to experience God in heaven? And so as we dive into these four words today, what I want to do is I want to take you into the throne room of God. I want to take you into this encounter with God so that we can see how encountering God can impact our prayer life. We're going to be in Revelation. Revelation chapter 4. If you're new to the Bible, this one's pretty easy to find. Flip to the back of your Bible and work your way in. It's the last book of the Bible. Uh, Revelation chapter 4. If you want to turn there in your paper Bibles or your Bible app, I'll give you a quick little background. So Revelation was written by one of Jesus' followers. We know him as the Apostle John or the disciple John. And John goes through later in his life, he goes through these series of experiences and visions. So God gives him these visions about his church and what's happening and what God is doing. And so as we read through the book of Revelation, it's John basically communicating his experiences of these visions with God. And so we're going to start reading in Ephesians, um, Ephesians, Revelation chapter 4. And this is a moment where, where John is taken into heaven, into the throne room of God. Revelation chapter 4 verse 2 says this, That once I was in the spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby, a rainbow that shone like an emerald and circled the throne. And surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones, and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. In front of the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Also in front of the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. So John enters this throne room of God, and he does his best to try to describe what it is that he's seeing. Now, I want to remind you of something. John was just a guy. He's just a man. He's a dude like any one of us who met Jesus and followed Jesus and taught about Jesus, but he was still just a guy. 
He was just a regular, finite, limited person who was brought into the presence of this infinite, amazing, powerful God. And so as he's describing this throne room in verse 3, he says, you know, he had the appearance of these precious stones. There's this rainbow that shone like an emerald. There's this sea of glass. John is doing his best to describe in our human terms what it is that he's experienced. So let me kind of give you an example. So when my kids were young, they were, you know, into like cars and trains and stuff like that. And especially like the high fancy cars, Lamborghinis, Ferraris. Now, I don't know much about cars. So what I'm about to tell you, I just looked up on Google. I'm not that smart. So if we were to go and we're going to look up, we're going to go look at a Lamborghini, which is one of their favorite cars. We could say, okay, this engine has a 620 horsepower. It's a five liter V10. It goes from zero to 60 in 2.5 seconds. Oh, isn't that so cool? And my five-year-old son would look at me and go, but you turn on the car and you hear the vroom of the engine, and what's that kid gonna say? Car goes vroom vroom, right? He's gonna, he doesn't care the power of the engine, he doesn't care how many, much torque it has or anything like that. What he's gonna know is he's gonna be able to look at that car and say, car goes vroom vroom, right? This is what John is doing here in Revelation 4. John can't fully explain what it is that he's seeing, and so effectively what he's saying is, heaven is vroom vroom, right? How do you describe this infinite God in human terms? You do the best that you can as a five-year-old child. Heaven is vroom vroom. And so as you read, if you ever read through the rest of Revelation, there's all these kind of crazy pictures and things that are going on. And you just need to understand that this is a finite person's attempt at describing an infinite and awesome God. So John enters this throne room, he enters the presence of God, and he has this encounter with God. And as we go through the rest of Revelation 4 and 5, what we're going to see is that as John encounters God, he teaches us some things about what does our Father in heaven look like. And if we can pray, if our prayer life can be such that we experience God and we encounter God, we enter in the presence of God, then we can see how that would affect our lives. And so I'm going to go, I'm going to keep reading through Revelation chapter 4. And what we're going to be looking for is how our encounters with God should affect our prayer life. What should encountering with God be like? So Revelation 4 verse 8. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. Remember, heaven is room, room. I have no idea what that means. Day and night, these living creatures, whatever they look like, day and night, they never stop saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worships him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, you are worthy, our God and Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things and by your will they were created and have being. So this picture in heaven is there's God on the throne and these elders and these creatures, they start worshiping and they lay their crowns down before God. So what does that mean? There's a group, one of my favorite Christians groups is a group called Casting Crowns. Uh, they've uh, had some great songs like Voice of Truth and Slow Fade and Nobody. Um, some great songs and the, the core of their message is they're trying to encourage through their songs the church to be in this world what God needs it to be so that people can know Jesus. 
Now, their, their name, Casting Crowns, actually comes from this passage. And if you read the background of it, the idea is that we come into our lives and we, we see our abilities, we see our capabilities, we have our kingdoms, we have these places where we feel like we have authority and we are capable and we can do things. But when we come into the presence of God, all those things are nothing. Compared to the awesomeness and the holiness of God, as the Bible says, all of our stuff is filthy rags. So if we go and encounter God in prayer, encounters with God should be humbling. Encounters with God should be humbling because we recognize that when we encounter God, when we go into the presence of God, we are less and he is more. Right, Paul tells us in Ephesians that all those things that I considered gain, all those things that I considered like good and worthy and things that I valued, I now consider them loss compared to Jesus. There's this discrepancy and so our encounters with God should be humbling. I worked for 18 years at a company called Qualcomm and uh, Southern California engineering culture is such that you can wear shorts and t-shirts and stuff to work, at least I did. And so within a few years of starting my job, it was a fairly common thing for me to wear flip-flop shorts and t-shirts to work, and it was glorious. Well, one day, I, was, I had a meeting in our main headquarters building, and so I go over to the headquarters and I get into the elevator by myself, and before the elevator doors shut, in walks the entire executive team dressed in their slacks and their ties and their coats and talking about really important stuff. And here I am, little Dan Engineer, with my flip-flops and shorts and t-shirt. I was making, I don't know, $50,000 a year at the time, and they were probably cumulatively making tens of million dollars a year at the time. And I just remember in that moment being in the elevator and being like, wow, I'm like in the presence of like awesomeness. Like these are the people that started this multi-billion dollar company. That's what it should look like when we encounter God multiplied by like a million. We should recognize as we enter the presence of God, he is this God that sits on this throne where peals of thunder and flashes of lightning are happening. Our encounters with God should be humbling because that sets the frame, that sets the mindset for what God wants to do in and through us as we encounter him in prayer. So John has this picture of these elders laying their crowns before God, recognizing that God is the one who is worthy to receive glory and praise. And so our encounters with God should be humbling. Revelation chapter 5 brings a scene to this scroll. The scroll shows up with the seals on it, and there's kind of this drama about who's going to open it. And then this lamb shows up, which is a representation of Jesus. And everybody's like, yay, he can open up the scrolls. Revelation 5.7 goes on to say, the lamb went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. So this lamb shows up on the scene as these elders and these living creatures are experiencing God. They're encountering God's presence. What do they do? They sing a new song. They recognize that God has made them into a kingdom and priests. Our encounters with God should be life-changing. As we learn humility, as we encounter God and are humbled, those encounters with God should also be life-changing. 
Prayer, as it brings us into the presence of God, should change something in us and change the course of our lives. Many of you know, about a year and a half ago, my older son Nate was in an accident and has a brain injury. He's in a minimally conscious state. So we've obviously, over the last year and a half, have had many moments of prayer and many moments of difficult encounters with God. One of those encounters actually took place in this sanctuary. Uh, Nate was at Kaiser San Diego back in March of 2020, and I was just having a rough day. And so I needed some space, and so I came into the sanctuary here. There's no one here, and I spent a whole lot of time crying and praying and yelling and maybe throwing a thing or two. But in that moment, as I allowed this freedom, I also got to this place of this humility where I was like, God, I don't get what's going on, but I trust you no better. And in that moment, I had this encounter with God that changed my perspective, that changed my life, that changed the direction of where I'm going. I've had many such encounters since then, and I want to tell you, you don't need to have a son that's had a terrible accident in order to have that kind of encounter with God. Your encounters with God should be humbling. We should, as we encounter God in prayer, we should recognize his awesomeness. Your encounters with God should be life-changing. As you recognize who he is and how he's working, it changes us from the inside and allows us to do things and change the course of our lives. Continue on in Revelation 5, verse 11. Then I looked and heard the voices of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne and the living creature and the elders. Now remember, heaven is vroom, vroom. John didn't actually count how many angels there were. You step back from the scene of this throne room and you're like, holy moly, look at all these angels. Look at what is going on here. This scene as we step back from just the throne of God is even more amazing and even more awesome. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who is slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. Have you ever been to like a concert where there's just this energy there in the music. This especially has happened when I go to Christian concerts where you see like just rooms filled with people just worshiping and praising. One of my favorite things to do in youth ministry is when we go to camp and we'll be in like the worship time, the singing time. And I love singing and worshiping and all that. But sometimes I'll just be quiet and just listen to the students as they worship. And there's this energy and there's this power there as these people are connecting with God. This picture of heaven that John shows us as he zooms back from the throne, these angels and these creatures and these elders, there's power there. They sang out in a loud voice. Everybody on the earth and under the earth and on the sea, they're singing these praises to God. And so our encounters with God should be energizing. They should be filled with strength and power. When we really understand our Father in heaven, as Jesus says it, and we understand what it means to go before the throne room of God, that should be empowering to us. That should be strengthening to us. So as we're looking at the Lord's Prayer and we see Jesus starts us off with this amazing picture of what it means to enter the presence of God in heaven, I've Talk through, it should be humbling, it should be life-changing, it should be energizing, but what do you do with that? That's all great to have, it should be, should be, should be. 
But I'd be remiss if we left here and I didn't give you some tools or perspectives to have that would help you in whatever your prayer life looks like to have that kind of change and that kind of encounter with God. And so what I want to do with the next part of our time here is talk through how you can improve your God encounters. How can you improve your God encounters through prayer? Now note that this applies no matter where you are on that spectrum of prayer. Maybe you've never prayed. There's opportunities for you to improve. Maybe you have a daily prayer time and you kind of go through your thing. There's opportunities to improve. Maybe you're like a powerful prayer warrior. There's places for you to go. And so there are these opportunities for us to improve on prayer. And when we look at prayer, as Keller said, as not just a conversation with God, but an encounter with him, a meeting with him. There are things that we can do to help improve on that time we have with God. So what do we need to do in order to improve your encounters with God? First and foremost, we need to change our attitudes. We need to change our attitudes about prayer. A lot of this has to do with expectations. I think the most common view of what it means to pray is, dear God, my list of prayers, thank you, amen. Here's what I need, amen. Right? And so what would it look like if we changed our expectation? If we change our attitude about what it looks like to enter into God's presence. And so we expected great and powerful things to happen when we spent time with God. What if rather than just setting aside five minutes in the morning to work through my prayer list that I have on my prayer app, I spent time saying, God, I'm going to meet with you. I'm going to have coffee with you, God. I'm expecting God, you, the almighty, the powerful one that looks like precious stones and has flashes of lightning. I'm expecting you to sit across the table from me, God, and meet with me here. Maybe you need to change your attitude about what it means to pray. Number two, maybe you need to change your habits. It's all too easy for us to get into a routine. I pray every morning for five minutes. I pray every night. We pray over our meals. Uh, my kids, when they were younger, whenever, whenever we would pray with them, literally, I kid you not, every single time, dear God, thank you for this day. Thank you for everything that you have given us. Is how they would start off their prayers. Sometimes they still do. And so we have these habits that we have. And sometimes what happens when we get into these habits is our prayer life can become boring. Our prayer life can become dull. And now let me tell you something. If your prayer life is dull, it's not God. It's you. You know, like when somebody breaks up with you, they're like, oh, it's not you, it's me. No, no, it is you, okay? In this case, it actually is you. If your prayer life is not filled with expectation and power, it's not because God is powerless. It's because you're not letting him have the opportunity to work in and through you. So maybe it's time to change your habits. Maybe it's time for you to change your ways and how you pray. So we need to change our attitude, we need to change our habits, and we need to change your purpose. When you go to God in prayer, what is your purpose? Hey God, I'm here, I need you to do this, I need you to do that, I need you to do the other thing. And we sometimes don't leave, God, leave time to say, God, what do you want from me? God, what do you want me to do in my relationship with you? I uh, go on these prayer walks 
now, periodically. I've kind of learned this over the course of the last year. I'll go out and I'll walk over by Lake Hodges or something and, and I'll spend some time praying. I certainly have had some conversations with God that were hard and I say, God, what about this and what about this? But what I've learned to do as I do these prayer walks is I'll stop and I'll say, okay, God, I'm listening. God, what do you want, what do you want to say to me here in this moment? I'm changing the purpose of what it is that I'm doing in prayer so that I'm giving God an opportunity to speak to me. And what I'll do is I'll keep walking and I'll just be quiet. And sometimes I'd just be quiet for half an hour and nothing happens and I move on. But I'm still giving God his space. And sometimes something will come to mind and there's this like quickening inside of me. There's this energy that happens inside of me. I'm like, okay, God, what is this? Let's talk through this. So when you pray, prayers that encounter God... We need to think through not just what do I want to communicate to God, but what is my encounter with God? How is that going to impact me? Not just, God, what do I want from you? What prayers do I need answered? But what do you want from me? And note, it is okay to tell God what you need because he already knows. I'm not telling you to throw that away. I'm encouraging you to reinforce it. Give God your prayers. Give God your needs. God, this is where I am. This is what's going on. God, I want to be with you. God, I want to experience you. God, I want to encounter you. Let that be part of your prayer life. So as Jesus gives us this model prayer, he starts off by saying, Our Father in heaven, I want the first thing that you do when you pray to encounter this powerful, almighty God. You may have nothing better to be able to think about him than heaven is vroom, vroom. God is awesome. That's okay. We encounter God from where we are and we let him move in us. So the point in all this is prayer that encounters God empowers us. Prayer that encounters God empowers us. When we really experience God in all of his goodness and power, then something happens inside of us. As we are humbled and we recognize who God is compared to who we are, as we allow God in to change our lives and to move us into the place he needs us to be, we have this energy that empowers us to live life in this world the way he needs us to. Why would you not want that? Why would you not want the God and creator of this universe to be filling you and driving your life to a place that's empowered to change lives so that people would know him. Why would you not want an encounter with God? Each week we're going to be going line through line through this Lord's Prayer and we're going to dive into what it is that Jesus is trying to teach us. And as we talk today about encountering God, I thought... I want to give you some space to encounter God. I don't want to just share this and then pray and then we just move on with the rest of our day. Obviously, we can't just encounter God here in this hour on Sunday. These encounters with God should take place over the entire course of the week in your life. And you can see the power that you have when you encounter God in this way. But what we want to do with the rest of our time here, I'm going to pray and then we're going to spend some time encountering God. We have a few more worship songs we're going to sing. We're going to have a time of communion. And what I want to be able to do with this time is give you space to encounter our Father in heaven. 
not just as a rote part of prayer, not just this thing you memorized, but as the God who sits on the throne that shines brightly and has flashes of lightning and peals of thunder, that's the God that we want to encounter here as we sing, as we take communion. And so I want to give you space for that. Let me pray. Oh, Father God, our creator, our Lord in heaven who rules from his throne, holy and set apart, special, is even just your name. There's power, Lord Jesus, in your name. Lord, may your kingdom come. May you reign here on earth. May your will and your purposes be done and fulfilled on this planet in my life, in our lives. May it be done here just as we know it is in heaven. Lord God, give us today our daily bread. Give us what we need. Lord, may you be the only true sustenance that fills us and gives us life. And Lord, we ask that you would forgive us of our sins. Forgive us when we turn away from you and turn to our own ways. And Lord, may we also, in that forgiveness we have from you, extend your grace to those who sin against us. May they know the freedom and forgiveness of you as their God, as we forgive them. And we ask, Lord, that you would keep us away from temptation, Lord, that you would lead us away from sin through your word, through your spirit in us. And Lord, that you would deliver us from your enemy, from Satan, that you would deliver us from evil that is so prevalent in this world. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory, Lord. All these things, all this awesomeness, all this amazingness, they are yours, Lord Jesus, forever and ever. Amen. The four living creatures said amen, and the elders fell down and worshiped. Let's stand and worship now.